Welcome everyone again to another King Reflections episode. I'm Daniel Oliver, your host, a graphic designer and a personal trainer by trade. And today we're going to talk about owning our temptations. First, I'm just going to read some scriptures uh, and then I'll elaborate on and break it down and elaborate on each sentence just so it's easy to understand. But the whole concept of owning our temptations is that we're owning our uh, impulses, so to speak. We're owning our our faults and flaws and being aware, becoming mindful and aware of where we're falling short of what we can easily succumb to, um, you know, immoral um, behaviors or actions and trying our best to be aware of these and also try and improve them and be make better choices in the future. So first, I'm just going to read the scriptures and then we'll break it down a sentence as we go. So so I'm reading from the book of James, and this is actually a letter to one of the churches that James writes to. Um, I was about to say James there for a second. <laughs> um, James. So James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, and then I'm going to read James chapter 1, verse 12 to 15. Don't mind the dogs barking in the background. Um, we have a, a few dogs in our neighborhood, so just ignore them if you can hear them. So James, verse 2 uh, to 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Uh, also, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, um, just so it's a bit easier to understand um, rather than reading the King James Version. And chapter, uh, chapter, James chapter 1, verse 12 to 15 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and, tempta and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So let me uh, go ahead and elaborate on these and expand these. So just to explain how and what they mean, uh, but also how it relates to obviously us being mindful and aware of our actions and trying to choose a better attitude, a better mentality, a better um, way of living, but that's by calling out our own um, dishonesty, so to speak. And one of the songs I love called Honest by um, the Chainsmokers, at the very start of it, it says, you know, there's no end to the hypocrisy of the human heart. And that's so true because we'll always justify our actions, you know, we'll justify what we did wrong uh, in a way that makes us seem like the innocent one or that we had to do it. We had to be, had to make that impossible hard decision and cross our own boundaries and our own um, values and our morals and we had to break our rules a little bit just to have a better outcome when really, was it really a better outcome? <laughs> so, let's go ahead and break this down. So, James chapter 1 verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, the word consider that's actually a choice to consider something is actually you having the choice to take it in as an 
uh, a possible or potential idea. You know, you're choosing, you're, you've stopped and gone, all right, which path am I going to head down? I could consider this path. I could consider that path. I could consider that path. It slows down time for you to then be able to have a choice because it is a choice. Every action that we do, every behavior that we have, every attitude that we have, all of it is actually a choice. Sometimes we're in autopilot and we subconsciously just choose um, a certain path because that's how we've always done it, so to speak. But every attitude, every behavior, every mindset, every mentality that we have is starts actually from a choice. We can stop and choose a different path to take, a different mindset or a different attitude to take. So this word, consider, it says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. So we're going to choose. There's a, there's, a, there's a potential possibility that we can choose something different than what we've already done. And then the word opportunity. An opportunity always reflect, re reflects to or is on the path or the direction of a positive change or a positive uh, outcome. You know, it's a positive attitude of potential growth. That's what opportunity really is. It's a positive attitude to potential, potential growth. Obviously, if something bad comes along, you don't call it an opportunity. <laughs> you know, if um, it, it's more of a, oh, I can't remember, the, I can't even think of the right word at the moment, but it's definitely not an opportunity. It's not seen as a, as a, a building thing or a constructive or, you know, a potential growth. And then it says it finishes off with great joy, not a little joy. Not a, not a, not a sense of joy. It doesn't say, it doesn't say consider it an opportunity for joy. It says great joy. And if we go back, you know, it's kind of a, uh, a juxtaposition, you could say, so that's the right word. When troubles of any kind come your way. Now, nobody wants to really deal with troubles. <laughs> we don't really want to deal with the hard stuff. We don't want to deal with the uncomfortable stuff. But here it's saying and linking it to great joy. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. How can we consider troubles coming our way as an opportunity for great joy? But it elaborates as it continues on. So verse 3. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So when your belief has been challenged, you gain the opportunity to become stronger. And it's like, because I'm a PT, when you work with your muscles, when you challenge your muscles, you know, your muscles are already developed in a certain, um, certain strength or a certain um, way of moving or it's conditioned to a certain way of life that when you challenge it, it really challenges the fibers of those muscles to really stick to their guns and, um, you know, hold it out and stay strong or it's going to break them. But usually when you put your muscles under the test, when you challenge them in the gym, you know, the point of going to the gym is to be continuously put under what they call micro traumas or micro tears in the muscles. When you're pumping, when you're moving the muscle to push weight or to lift weight, you're actually challenging and putting the muscles through a little bit of trauma each time. And as time grows on, you build more muscle, you grow stronger muscle fibers, they become thicker. So they've just gained the opportunity to become stronger. So if we go back to the first verse, when troubles of any kind, when certain weights come along, like any weight really that you've got, that's a bit of resistance comes along, you could consider an opportunity for great joy. And the great joy is that you're becoming stronger, that you're becoming better, they're becoming faster. So when your faith is tested, 
your endurance has a chance to grow. Then it goes on to verse 4. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So let's take this now to learning an instrument, for example, learning the piano. When you have never have come, you know, never played the piano before, you don't really have the sense of freedom to play fluently. That endurance has to be developed. That skill has to be developed. And you have to go through those challenging times and confronting your, in a sense, ego and humbling yourself, so to speak, and going, you know what, I don't know anything about the piano, so I'm going to come to this piano as a, as a, as a, a student to learn how to use the piano effectively, to learn how it, you know, it, the keys are spaced out between each other so that I can play uh, the notes when they need to be played, how the music is going to move me. You need to know which, you know, which note or which key, sorry, or which piece of wood, so to speak, of the piano plays certain notes. And the more that you diligently discipline yourself to be at that piano to practice, that is when you can be fully developed into knowing the instrument, knowing where the notes are, knowing which notes connect with each other, knowing which notes uh, complement each other or which notes you can trail off to onto the next note, even if they don't relate to it all or it seemingly doesn't relate. So once you overcome the challenges of learning the piano and learning the music, the flow of being fully developed just comes naturally to you. As most people say, like, oh, they're just naturally talented. Actually, no. They were so curious enough to sit down and actually you know, perfect their skill or master their skill that now it just comes naturally to them because it's ingrained in all their fiber, in their memory, in their muscle memory. It's It's developed so finely within their so to speak their dna that everything just comes in a sense naturally it looks natural you become complete and perfect to play fluently without a second thought the only time that the piano becomes challenging is when you're learning maybe a new sense of or a new genre a new style of music you got to learn you know a different beat you got to learn uh different note connections you know how different notes can complement each other so putting these three verses together, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4. When you're being tested and you're being going through hard times, try and focus your mentality and your attitude as a way of you're going to grow out of this. Because you can't perfect, in a sense, life or you can't perfect, um, you know, the piano instrument or you can't even perfect, you know, bodybuilding if you're going to the gym. You can't perfect these things if you are not challenged if you are not put under pressure if you're not put through um, obstacles that make it hard and difficult sometimes life has to be hard and difficult for us to learn anything for us to grow there has to be some form of little traumas or maybe sometimes significant trauma depending obviously what it is but we have to have the mentality and the growth mindset to go you know, I've gone through this, but I can survive. I can push through and I will be better from this. So moving on to verses 12 to 15. Verse 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Now the word here that I want to focus on is patiently. When I think of patience, <laughs> I think of a, a calm serenity. Um, or, or self-control of negative emotions. Like you can be angry, but I will try my best to hold that anger in 
and not let it erupt. I never let the anger come out so excessively that it becomes chaos. Well, I try my best not to. Sometimes there are times that I unfortunately let my anger loose if I have peaked. <laughs> but that's mean I've got me knowing that I've got to understand my own limits and practice more self-control and becoming aware of it. And it says here, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. God blesses those who are patiently going through their trials and tribulations. And even if you don't believe in God, you can take this in the concept of if you keep your mouth shut and don't say anything, there is going to be a lot more peace than if you opened your mouth and created a whole lot more uh, destructive behavior that affects everyone else. And then you're no longer seen as a trustworthy person or a person that can be um, seen as legitimate or genuine, etc. So it's always best with your interest and also the interest of others at heart to keep your mouth shut when you are being excessively angry <laughs> and just being patient, being calm. You can be upset. You can be angry, of course, but if you act on that anger and it turns into rage, that's when it becomes very dangerous and very destructive and it's very hard to come back from that. Continuing on in verse 12, same verse. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I want to focus on this word life and crown of life. Now, if you're wearing a crown, you're wearing you're wearing it. You don't have a crown and put it somewhere. No, you have to wear that crown. So consider the concept of wearing, wearing life. You're wearing living. Awareness, complete stillness, mindfulness, observing without emotionally reacting and able to respond with calm, and accuracy is living in my perspective. If you are reacting automatically to something and not being self-aware of where your emotions are going or where your mind, where your thoughts are heading, if you're not aware of that, you're not actually living. You're not paying attention and you're not aware of what's actually going on within you. You're not aware of that struggle, that that battle, that chaos within you and you're just letting it all out. If you're just speaking your mind all the time in this concept or this, this kind of um, metaphor, then you are dead because you can't even control yourself. Having the ability to control yourself, being aware, okay, I feel this emotion. I really want to say this, but I know it's going to be destructive. So I better just hold back, hold my tongue and stop saying and not say that. Maybe there's another way that I can say this without being so destructive that it's going to tear people down. Maybe I can find a way that will build them up, make them feel like that, you know, they're not the problem. It's just that their um, attitudes or their behavior is the problem. And that's where I think living actually is. You're wearing that crown of being calm, being aware, taking this moment, taking a moment, stepping back, observing what's happening, what's occurring. If someone's even just yelling at you, screaming at you, telling you what's wrong, it's just like observing, go, okay, step back. Let me just be aware of where they're coming from. I know they're not doing this intentionally to tear me down. Um, they've obviously got something going on in the background. Let me just um, respond and have a think about it with calm and accuracy so that this doesn't escalate to an extending, extensional point where it's, we can't come back from. Continuing on verse 13. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never temp tempts anyone else. 
Now, a lot of people go, <laughs> um, well, if God really loved me, he wouldn't put this temptation in front of me. And I'm there going, there is no growth without temptation. He doesn't place that in front of you. Like we do it to ourselves. And as, as I've read before, and you would have heard that we, uh, this is our own temptations that are tripping up. You know, we created this. We create the turmoil. We create the chaos. We are the ones that create a sense of entitlement to our own wants and desires. God is complete love. And I could expand on this, but it will take another five sessions to go through. <laughs> but he doesn't tempt. He can't tempt. He doesn't put temptation in front of someone and say, you know, survive this. No. He allows temptation to come across because that's what we've done to ourselves. He's not going to interrupt and in, in, inter, intercede and be like, well, no, you know, I'll block this temptation to protect you. As everyone knows in every hero story, <laughs> Let's say, for example, Hercules, if Zeus came down and, you know, stopped and uh, fought for Hercules, how would Hercules grow? How would he be able to become a better person, become strong in his own strength? And it will all be cheated. We'll be like, oh, he's just, you know, Hercules always uh, wins because he's got his dad on his side. It's the same thing with Jesus and God as well. If God came down and stepped in and saved Jesus from death, will be cheated of the story. It's just like, well, there's no salvation in that. There's no there's no heroism in that. You know, he could have done anything and he'd still be saved from his dad. And that's just cheating. Where it's just like, well, no, the dad allows him to learn his lessons and allows him to go through these tribulations because of a making him a stronger and a better person. Obviously, there's a whole lot more layers to uh, Jesus's death as well and resurrection. <laughs> um, but that's with every every story. We have to go through our own trials and tribulations and in a sense, our own deaths, the deaths of the old person so that the new person can take over, be in charge and be strong and take that responsibility and that diligence to do what is right and to stand up to what is that is attacking us or trying to overpower us. So let's continue on. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. You know, we bring our own temptations on. We bring our own desires. Sometimes it's subconsciously done. For example, let's take on the concept of uh, drinking excessively and we become an alcoholic. And this can be done with uh, drugs or even workaholic, um, anything really. It's a form of escapism. escapism. Let's say at a young age... You know, you're brought up with parents that weren't really the best or there for you. And let's say the parents were um, always aggressive and always fighting against each other. And they're always yelling at you, you're doing nothing right. You're doing everything wrong. Like, why can't you just sit still and be quiet? Why can't you just be perfect like those other kids? Like, why can't you just be smarter like those other kids? You're being brought up with that sort of mentality. It makes you question and go, well, I'm not that great of a person, am I? And then you find, you know, alcohol, for example, or any other form of escapism. And you find comfort in that because it helps you numb, numb out your parents' um, negative talk. Helps you keep them quiet in a sense. It's something that you can escape to and make you feel better about yourself because this is something that gives you pleasure and it keeps you at peace and it keeps you at mind. Now, let's say in the future that you then grow up with this problem where you're now reliant on alcohol or you're reliant on this drug or you're reliant on this, you know, work, for example. 
because it keeps you in a sense safe it keeps you peace and calm but it's numbed you so much that you can't actually live without it so then you're like okay well i I need to stop drinking alcohol i need to stop doing these drugs so you put them away as a metaphor you you decide not to do it anymore but because you're so accustomed to them you can become tempted by them again and like when somebody says, oh, let's have a drink and you're like, you'll find it really hard to resist because that's what you're, that's all you've known, so to speak. That's all you want. But you know that that drink or that drug will be the demise of you, so to speak. You know, it, it, you're trying your best to resurrect yourself, so to speak, from this drug because you're so reliant on it. And you're trying to not be so a slave to your body wanting this substance just to be functional so in the end these temptations actually come from our own desires because we desire that comfort we desire that that drug or that that drink just to keep calm and feel at peace and sometimes it can be so ingrained into in our sense our ego that most of the time the ego takes the reins of our thinking our mentality our attitudes and it's the one that reacts emotionally rather than responding by taking a step back and if our ego is not tamed it is the one that acts on our temptations if we don't stand back and be like okay i can see that i'm tempted by this why am i tempted by this where is this temptation coming from why where is this desire coming from to have this to possess this what do i feel insecure about myself or what's missing in my life that i feel like i need this substance or i need this um drug or work or even pornography like or I need, you know, really constant relationships. Why do I need this person's validation or acceptance or affection? Why do I need this specific thing to function? And once we come, you know, when we bring that more into awareness, the more ability that we then have that choice, we then have that ability to choose whether we want to go down that path or not, or, you know, to fight against it or, or, or find something else that is a lot more beneficial or productive for us. And it continues on, you know, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And now the word sinful, if you're not a Christian or if you're not following, you know, along the religion, it means just to miss the mark, especially your own mark. If you have, if you uphold, for example, I don't feel, you know, you can say if you're an alcoholic, you know, drinking is not good for me. It is destroying my, my mental state and is destroying my relationships because I'm so reliant on alcohol more than, you know relying on people to help me out of you know uncomfortable situations so when you fall back into taking a drink rather than reaching out to someone you've 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 sinned because you've missed the mark you've missed your own mark that you've put up for yourself so the desires falling into these temptations give birth to sinful actions and it continues on and when sin is allowed to grow it gives birth to death so continuously missing the mark continuously doing the thing that is not right that you know is not right would lead you to death even as not maybe not a physical death but definitely a mental death and that's where addictions now fall into when you become addicted to something so reliant on something you're now a slave to your body you become dead you can no longer stand against your body and say no i don't want this this is not right this is wrong This isn't helping me. This isn't helping anyone. It's destructive and it's not productive or constructive towards my future. 
and this is one reason why these verses stood out to me so much is because it's along the path of a king mindset or reflecting on our attitudes always drawing into yourself and always you know bringing your attention to yourself bringing awareness to yourself of is this action of what i'm doing is it really benefiting anyone or myself or is it is it benefiting only myself are other people you know not benefiting from it i can't think of the word right now but are they being left out are you not reaching out to them to see if they're okay you're doing something that's a bit selfish for your own self for your own benefit and there's nothing wrong with doing something for yourself of course because you need to look out for yourself but you're also if it's becoming um in between you and your friends or you and your family and that's where it becomes destructive that's when it becomes you you isolating yourself from the community because as a whole we need to be relying on each other to have the most beneficial peaceful life looking out for one another make sure we're all getting enough food in our bellies make sure we're all having a roof over our heads making sure that we all have an income so that we can actually provide for ourselves making sure that we're all emotionally taken care of you know is everyone being heard is everyone being seen because if that substance or if that thing is um distracting you or it's if it's disconnecting you and getting in the way of connecting to your friends and family then that's the problem that's where it's becoming sin and that leads to death you isolating yourself from the community is in a sense killing yourself you're 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 shooting yourself in the foot so to speak and being brought up in the church sometimes we we come across this concept of you know oh the devil's always getting in our way or you know the devil is tempting me but we give way too much credit to the devil. He does. He, we are the ones that create our own desires. Just as it says here, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. It's the, the attitudes and the mentalities that we've learnt as we've grown up. You know, a baby doesn't really care about Gucci shoes <laughs> or a Gucci handbag or Gucci sunglasses, so to speak. We desire those things later in life when we see there's value to them on a superficial status level and we try and be better in society or appear to be better in in society in our community we buy these expensive things to give us a sense of status of our of our finances and of our power so to speak we apply those desires to ourselves we apply those desires in our on it in our lives no one else the devil doesn't come along and be like oh here i'm going to tempt you with this if you're not <laughs> if you're not attracted to for example gucci wear it's not going to obviously affect you but we all have our own desires and our own in a sense status that we're trying to reach a, a vision or a, a perception of ourselves that we want to portray so that other people have this idea or or feeling towards us and you know make it and put us on a pedestal as if we're we're better than everyone else we're trying to make people do that sometimes and if we fall into this this concept of wanting to make people think or perceive us in a certain way then we're just being a slave to one them and also our own bodies and really if you think you know oh, i have no temptations my life is all gucci and if i ask you right now for example what is the best version of yourself what is the ideal version of yourself what do you see in the future you you know what would be the best version of yourself? What would you be doing? What would you be? Where would where would you be? What would you be living in? 
And then people will be like, oh, you know, this, that, this, that. And it's like, well, why aren't you there right now? Oh, you know, I've had this going on. I've had that. And it's just like, for example, one example, and this is, this is no, um, not in a sense putting anyone down, but it's, it's a common example where, where people will be like, oh, if I didn't have kids or if I didn't have a family, then I, I would go do this and do that. And it's like, okay, well, I can see that you fell into, in a sense, you could say the temptation of falling into relationship. You know, you fell into that concept of, oh, I feel loved, I feel nourished, I feel cared for. And, you know, I've got a partner. It's like, obviously, you valued that more and you fell into that temptation more than what you think your ideal version of yourself is supposed to be like or you wanting it to be. And I get the, and I understand the concept of, you know, feeling loved and feeling cherished and someone cares for you. Totally understand that. And that's just part of the human nature. And that's part of the great thing about having the human experience is having to be able to share that love. But sometimes even, uh, we, you know, when you ask them, what's your ideal version of yourself or where do you see yourself? And it's just like, and they have this thing, vision of themselves where they'll be this kind of person and they don't really mention their family or, or you know, friends or anything. And it's just like, right now you're probably living in the best version of yourself right now because you're surrounded by family. You're surrounded by friends. You know, you have the greatest things, which are relationships and a great sense of security right now with the people that you're surrounded with. Anyway, that's another topic as well. <laughs> anyway, let me know what you think about this episode and hopefully it has helped you try and gain some awareness of your actions and owning your temptations. Owning them that they're yours and that you've put them there, you've created them and that you can change them. You don't have to fall into those temptations anymore. You can change your desires. You can change your outcome. There is always a choice in choosing which path you want to take. Do you want to still take this same old path where things don't change and things are always upsetting you or it's always uncomfortable, it's always it's always chaotic, it's all this tension all the time. No, you can change which path you're going to take. You can set up those boundaries for yourself. You can make rules for yourself in a sense and follow those rules. You know, I only choose to drink on Saturdays, you could say and make that rule and stick to it so that you control alcohol, not alcohol control you or not allow your bodily desires control you is a better way to say it because alcohol has nothing to do with this. <laughs> it doesn't choose for you um, how you're going to live your life. <laughs> Only your body does and your own decisions and your own actions. Anyway, hope you got something out of this and I shall see you all next time. See you later and king up. <laughs>